Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's because I wrote a song when I was a teenager called I'm Voluptuous, Can You Cope With That? <laughs> and it went, I'm voluptuous, can you cope with that? <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Body Protest. In this podcast, we combine storytelling with science to better understand our relationship with our bodies. I'm Nadia Craddock and I'm a body image researcher. And I'm Honey Ross and I'm a writer. This podcast is brought to you by The Pink Protest. Three, two, one. Hi, Hi body, body protesters. <laughs> I think we like scare each other when we say it. Like, we're both like, <laughs> oh my goodness. It's so funny. Oh dear. Oh dear. Hi, Honey, Nadia. how are you doing? <laughs> oh, I think it's going to be one of those days. Honey, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I am on a writing deadline at the moment, so going slightly crazy in my little cave of solitude, but very, you know, very happy to be writing is all I can say. How about you? I am good. I've spent far too long on Zoom today, so I feel a little (laughs) disconnected. (laughs) Yeah, but in a kind of because I also feel quite excited, so in a really like I just feel very disconnected from everything. Um, honey, what have we got in store today? We have got a brilliant episode today. I'm very, very excited. We talk to two brilliant women, one of my best friends, BB Cave, and her incredible big sister, Jessie Cave. Uh, they are actors, writers, comedians. I mean, they do it all. They are so incredible. We're also joined by Jessie's gorgeous bouncing baby boy 10 who is just an angel so you'll hear him gurgling lightly throughout the podcast which is a really lovely addition uh we talk a lot about their radical honesty um we talk about acting and body image and how that industry has affected their relationships to themselves and the fat phobia they have faced in the film industry just because it is a very toxic industry a lot of the time we also talk about the beauty of the relationship of sisters and how unique it is and their generational gap. They have a 10-year age gap just like me and Nadia, who is a sister in my life, a sister figure. I know, but I also feel like you're the older sister of the two, the, two, the wiser, <laughs> older soul. <laughs> age is but a number for us, we are. I know, truly. And very much with Bibi and Jessie, you see that like 
it, age is po- like you know in certain contexts but like it mm. the connection transcends that and like their relationship is so beautiful you can tell they are so obsessed with each other in the nicest way and it's so i mean everybody needs a little slice of sisterly love it's really special yeah the conversation really made me think about my relationship with my sister and i just wanted to be with my sister in the moment I was yeah. like, oh so so sweet so here's bb and jesse So we thought it'd be quite fun if you two could introduce the other to our audience. That's fun. That is a bit fun. That's like the games they used to make you play in year seven when you were doing um, drama GCSE. I mean, you don't do a GCSE in year seven, but you get the idea. And you have to introduce yourself with an adjective that has the same uh, letter as, as, as your name. And I introduced myself as voluptuous Phoebe. Because I thought, that, <laughs> I thought that it was spelled with a B. And that's a very inappropriate word to have chosen anyway. That's because I did a song. This is actually perfect for body protest. No one. That's because I wrote a song when I was a teenager called I'm Voluptuous. Can you cope with that? <laughs> Can you cope? Can you cope with that? I must have been like 14. Oh no, I think I was younger actually. And I, it went, it was for some reason I decided it would be a country song. Ooh, wow. That, and it went, I'm voluptuous, can you cope with that? I mean, yeah. and that just rooted itself deep in my psyche for me to have remembered it 10 years later. <laughs> and then go on to call yourself voluptuous Phoebe. Voluptuous Phoebe, <laughs> welcome to the trap. <laughs> so would love to hear from both of you what your body image was like growing up. I think I'll go first because I'm older. Yeah. Um, and I'm ten- Age before beauty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 10 years older, which is huge um, for so many reasons. But I think I've really warped your body image. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. And yeah, I'm exactly. really sorry. No, no, but I, I can't be blamed. No, 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 no. Um, I think... No. Heat magazine. He, well, I think it was... I think I... So I'm 33, so I grew up when Britney Spears was coming out, Christina Aguilera was... And um, I was... I just had such an issue with it. I... Because I'm not naturally small. I had been an, a tennis player growing up, so I'd been an athlete and a county swimmer. So I've... I mean, wow. I've always been very athletic. So anyway, because I've always been quite broad. And as a, as a girl, I think I found that really... I remember feeling like I was huge compared to my the other girls in my year group and then when I stopped tennis and stopped swimming and I was left with this quite muscular body um I didn't know what to do with it I was I was really I I felt okay I need to shrink I need to shrink so I can be have a tummy like Britney Spears and I just was the cliche teenager having issues with food got very thin then got not very thin then always felt completely ashamed and went on you know diets starvation diets binging you know I had I just the the classic classic teenager all all the kind of greatest hits you know (laughs) my uh comparison would be that I like I wasn't as tumultuous a teenager but um, and I also wasn't an athlete. We should make that very, very but clear. But you were a dancer. I did. Dance. I do a lot of dance and stuff. I, I do a lot of dance. Um, I was like, do you? Oh, <laughs> I went to I went to hearing of your no. dancing career, BB. <laughs> I do. I, I dance. I do dance. No, BB, you were. You did all the dancing shows. Yeah, I guess you could say I had the strongest jazz hands in middle sex. No, you're you. being self-deprecating here. She is actually being self-deprecating. I was an amazing dancer. But I think um, I've seen you on the floor. I know you have. You have. 
And um, I think that I didn't really have any issues until I went to a sick form that served all you can eat breakfast, lunch and dinner. And because that was just the, the first time I'd even like really considered um, body image because I was tucking and helping myself. But I didn't realise that the academic pressure at this particular school meant that sort of 50 percent, I'm not exaggerating, 50 percent of the girls uh, had eating disorders, anorexia or bulimia at this particular school. And what's stupid is I didn't have one of them, but I felt so inadequate for not because it was like the fashionable thing. And, you know, it was associated with not even really being um, about boys so much. It was about your academic prowess. It's like the girls that really took their grades seriously were the ones that also were so strict with themselves and exercised constantly. And I just felt like this sort of slob because I wasn't doing as well at them in school or clearly with the eating disorder. So that kind of, and also, I mean, me and Jessie could talk about it endlessly, but being an actress completely messes up yeah. your impression of what, you're sh what you should look like how you should feel about yourself. And I, I mean, it's it's a constant struggle, but at least we can make a joke about it now. So yeah, kind of. I feel like we're really traumatized. Truly, uh, truly. And you talk about your 10 year age gap. I think there is a huge generational divide, especially of the things that we all grew up with as well. I think we're all in recovery from that. Like I think mm -hmm. that, that fucks with you. Totally. But also I, we're, we're, I'm so glad in a way for, your generation because there is so much more acceptance and positivity and it just wasn't like that 10 years ago it was horrible it was I mean for instance starting work as an actress for me when I was 19 and I was very very thin but unnaturally so I got I got my biggest job ever and I then I then when I did the next film I had gained two stone the costume lady saw me so she'd seen me pr previously she knew I was she came up to me grabbed my stomach picked up my fat and went what's happened oh my god but bear in mind I had gone from 19 to 21 you know it was, it was quite a, it was hormonal it was your second like uh puberty they say right and I just feel like women are told like you're supposed to have like figured out everything by the time you're 18 but there's such a huge hormonal shift, I think, around that period of time. Totally. That's probably why girls go so, get so upset and so ill, probably, around that age, because your body's going through stuff that's not really, like, seen as being an actual shift in, in, in the way you're growing, you know? On top of that, I was playing a teenager, so I felt like, mm. uh, and I've always played younger, so it's I've always felt like thinner is younger, thinner is younger. Mm. And I remember another costume, I've been so badly you know, had awful experience with costume designers and who've said to me, you know, oh my God, you're a size 10. Well done, you're 21 and you're a size 10. You know, stuff like that. Wow. And it's like, throughout my career, I've had really dodgy experience with costume ladies. Mm -hmm. One told me to suck in, in a scene. She came up to me and she's like, suck in, suck in. Oh my God. Um, <sighs> it, things that would just be, you know, if you, if you, if people knew this was going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not acceptable. No, um, and, it, and it traumatizes you. I feel like you come out of the trauma of your teen years and then you two go, I mean, and you've both, you both both of you have been working for, you know, acting for a long time, but like you go out into your field and then you're greeted with that after the trauma of already just trying to grow up as a woman. It's rough. Acting, you know, when you pursue like a dream job or like a creative type of passion, you think or you assume that you're going to get like happiness back from that experience and you know people are going to see you as you are and value all the things about you it can be so destructive for a young person to then experience a job like that and be judged on like the most surface level shit and to be 
sort of torn apart or even just really tiny backhanded compliments uh, or like little things they might say to you at an audition or a fitting or something like that to realise like this thing that you think is like this wonderful like fusion of soul and passion can be like the most superficial thing ever and and people aren't really judging you for who you are they're judging you for what you look like and you just it gets so warped up in your mind so like honestly all young actors like no wonder so many of them really struggle but also the people that don't it's like wow you must be made of something superhuman or something like that so yeah it definitely is not not the greatest industry for body confidence yeah well i'm just thinking because we know that the negative impacts of appearance-based comments in general. So then when you're being told in the context of your work in a professional setting that you're less than in some way because of your size or because of how you're showing up, it's like I'm less good at my job because of how I look and that's um, the impact that that must have must be just be huge. And so, yeah, as you say, like to have that, how people have that iron steel to... Yeah, to not let that affect them. It's so sad that it is associated with how good you are at your job. I remember when I was sort of 18 and I'd gained some weight and I'd just done like a, a, a film or something like that. I gained some weight and then I found it really difficult to get work for the next couple of years. And I'll never really know if that's because of like the way that my image changed or just because I had bad luck or something like that. But I constantly was plagued by this idea that I wasn't doing the best that I could for my job, despite the fact that it was something I chose so hard at, I worked so hard, I tried to do everything that I could, but because I wasn't like uh, losing weight and whatever, I just constantly felt like I was uh, messing up my job and I wasn't working hard. And that is kind of like, I once even asked my agent at the time, you know, do you think maybe I would get more work if I was like a little bit smaller, I lost some weight or something? And she said, um, well, people really do like the athletic look, you know, so you could obviously be training, like you could try. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm not an athlete. So I just constantly felt like I wasn't doing my job well. Yeah, it's really difficult. Do you think having kind of your image taken out into the, you know, taking out of your control in that way, and then going on to do the podcast and to be filming yourself on YouTube, do you think that's actually improved your relationship with yourself? Totally. Like we've both transformed, I think, with our body image um in the last few years and I think for me that was massively impacted by becoming pregnant I have more love for what bodies can do rather than what they look like and I think as a result also I think BB has seen through my challenges as an actress being bigger I think we've we've talked about it so much and basically I I know for a fact I didn't get work for a few years because I was bigger I just I know and that started me writing and making my own work and I think BB seeing that um from a younger age has been really good for her because she's realized that don't trust them you know (laughs) don't don't rely on getting a job because if you're you you know you don't look good that day or you're you're a bit bigger that day or you're not being yourself or whatever like it's it's never going to be there for you whereas you're never going to be good enough for these like imaginary people in these executive positions you're never going to be thin enough exactly nobody is ever going to feel truly like I mean I guess what's so best about acting in any kind of like creative job like this is because you're getting picked for something yeah. it, it, like no matter how hard you work at something you're never really going to have a super strong mentality because you know you're just like being plucked and I think what Jessie's taught me through her kind of like relationship with the media and her journey with making her own work she's kind of taught me that like you have so much more power when you just kind of like take a step back and you realize okay I'm, I'm not going to get what I want like there's no 
special moment where I'm going to get some big break you have to really like mm. just create the work for yourself and be in control so people can't make you feel shitty about something as unimportant as yeah. like what you look like and I you think know? that's interesting because I was thinking about even if it's not the reason that you weren't getting work like even if the way isn't it you will always go well maybe it was and I think that's the thing of it comes back to you being like well I wasn't good enough and I didn't do hard and it's like no it's nothing to do with that it's to do with a group of random people making a random decision in a room and it's so dependent on every factor that happens that day but the fact is when you make your own work you have control you have autonomy and also then you get to love yourself and trust yourself again and that's so healing I found it so difficult when um early on in my career when there would always be one slightly bigger girl in the cast and I remember always thinking oh that would be the role for me and that's not available like for instance Lena Dunham you know she was so brilliant because she just showed her you know her full self like in pants naked the entire time and I and but then everyone else was thin and I remember thinking but why can't they all be like normal why can't they all have bodies there why does why does she get to be herself and everybody else gets to dance around her and it's the same with most things like that there's usually one person who's able the lucky one who's able to be themselves but everybody else has to conform yeah but Lena Dunham was the one that created her own work in that you know situation and like what was so radical is that she didn't cast herself as some like caricature character she was like mm-hmm. the the romantic lead and the kind of the evil one and you know everything like that which I just felt that's why girls are so awesome. I fully credit Lena Dunham to the fact that giving me the confidence to have a fit boyfriend. I didn't think it was until I saw her date Adam Driver. (laughs) I didn't think that would happen for me. And here we are. Jess, you mentioned your gorgeous baby and of course we can hear lovely 10 and you have three kids now. I would be interested to know how you found this experience changed for you doing it later, doing it in your 30s as opposed to doing it in your 20s. Oh my God, so different. Because my, my friends are finally starting to have babies, but I got pregnant at 26 with Donnie, which wasn't that young, but it, for now, it is really young. In the hospital um, waiting room for even for 10, I I just could not believe how old all of, all of these women were. Not in a horrible way, but I was just like, what's going on? Why is no one having a baby before they're 40? Why is no one... If everyone was 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 late thirties, forties, a couple of teenage mums, and then me. I'm so happy it happened to me earlier, because it, I so I had Donny at 27 and Margot at 29, and it's so much harder older. Like it just is, and that's not because I'm I'm quite fit. Um, I've got a huge amount of support with oh, my. She mom. drinks so much water. You should <laughs> see her go. With my mum, I'm you know, I have so much support with BB and my mum and my family. Like. There's, I shouldn't be this hard, but it is still, and it's I, physically having a baby is exhausting. It's so physically demanding, and um, yeah, I I didn't appreciate that before at all, and it's kind of Jesse's great propaganda for having babies young. Do you know what I mean? No, but it's so sad because people think that you have to get your career in place and you know get this in place, but it just doesn't. It's, I mean, I can't. It's not like I planned to get pregnant uh, with Donnie, but at the same time. If, if, if things had been lined up, I, I, I think that I would do it all over again because it just, it, there's just, it's not true that your, your work life and everything stops when you have a baby. You can do stuff with a baby. But it's, yeah. another, it's another lie that I think women are told, which is that you have to sort of make this choice. You either like sort of strive ahead in your career and wait later to have a family 
or you kind of sacrifice everything and become this sort of stay-at-home mum. When I just think Jesse, of course, proves the point that you can excel in your career at the same time as like becoming a mother. Because I, would I, mean, say, I wouldn't say excel. I wouldn't say excel. Yeah, but you wouldn't. I'd spell it out in big bubble letters. I mean, obviously, we're very like supportive, interconnected families. So that's a big part to play. But um, I don't know. I just think that it's it's so sad sometimes that like women are because you're constantly questioning your place in the world anyway and like your legitimacy in work and in everything it's sad that if people like push this moment that they're going to have a family away further and further away and not everyone I don't mean I don't obviously mean everyone wants to have kids and needs to have kids young but it makes me really sad to think that some people who would have like thrived with a baby when they were younger are left in a position maybe when they're older and you know it's not as easy for them or it's not able to happen you know because we're told like oh no no no, you need to get your career in place men have babies whenever the fuck they want you know yeah whatever but I I do think there is an element of it depends what industry you're in so if you're working in the corporate sector I think there there are real pressures in terms of like are you going to get maternity leave and if not like what are the repercussions and I think so I think it there yes I think there's an element where it's a lie but I also think there's an element where it's truth in terms of how companies how the country has set up how you're going to be looked after yeah but it's so gendered I mean like yeah completely completely I like the fact that you you don't ever go it's easy you're very clear on the fact that it's like it takes a village it takes a team you all do it together like I mean I mean you wrote a whole play about waking up at four in the morning that wasn't obviously the whole play but that was the premise of the play of having to get up and fit in time for yourself and I think it's a very honest um, comment. That lasted four days. <laughs> yeah, but still. No, but I love that you talk about trying that and being like, can I do this? Like, how, can I fit in me time in, in the sunrise hours? I think that's really special. And I think it's really refreshing for women to hear that it's like, it's fulfilling and incredible, but also, it's fucking hard. We kind of got that from our mum because obviously she had five kids and she was still practicing as a doctor until really I was born, number five. And she says that the reason why we all kind of co-slept together, and I slept in a bed with her for the longest time, was because that was the time of the day that you got to be with the children, even if they were kind of sleeping, it's nice together time. And now she's still wakes up at like 3am in the morning because she likes the peace and the phones aren't ringing. And even though she hasn't got like young children now running around, it, it's really nice that that's, she still uses those um, sunrise hours. So I think it's pretty nice yeah. that Jessie does that too. It didn't, it genuinely, though, I lasted like three days before I gave up. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I, it's not easy, but if you, if you try and adapt your work goals, then it, it and, you're, and you lower your expectations, then it's, it's okay. <gasps> So, Jesse, you said that having babies has changed your relationship with your body. You're thinking more about your body in terms of what it can do as opposed to just what it looks like. I wonder, Phoebe, if you've noticed that change in Jesse and has that had any influence on on how you think and feel? Oh, definitely. I think I feel like a lot more womanly, warm energy coming from Jesse. I remember when she told me, the day that she was going to tell me that she was pregnant when I was 16 and she was 26, I saw her raise up like like the Virgin Mary from the beanbag that was in our living room. And she didn't even have to say the words. I was like, you're pregnant. And she was like, yeah, my God. And ever since then, she just kind of exuded this sort of like serenity and this togetherness. And I think that she's just had so much more of a focus on being strong and being healthy for the children um, and less of a kind of, you know, when I uh, had Donnie, my body went through a huge 
obvious obvious shift with the first child and also because I had polycystic ovaries before it was such a shock to me to even be pregnant and after the baby it, it kind of amazingly kind of it it cures polycystic ovaries really pregnancy which is brilliant and I heat my my metabolism seems to genuinely just speed up um, but it did mean that I was ravenous like absolutely ravenous the entire time and um, we were living in Soho at the time which was, sounds very fancy but we were all living together like you know the Von Traps and um, <laughs> I would be so hungry and I kind of got it does something to your blood sugar breastfeeding I, I basically went on a rampage through Soho a few times I maybe did it about three times where I just went to every single sweet shop Ben's cookies everything I just got I literally went <laughs> mad and ate everything you could possibly eat that contained sugar and I only I think that only happened maybe once actually but I remember in the middle of the night after this kind of madness I had to get up and feed the baby and I, I just couldn't, I, I was, uh, in the past, if I'd gone on like a sugar rampage, you know, you can just sleep it off. And I remember it was, it was like overnight, I was changed because I was like, oh, I wasn't able to, you know, to look after my baby properly that yeah. night because I was in a sugar coma. Like, I can't do that again. There's, that's not, I'm, I'm a mother now. Like, there's not, that's not a possible thing. And that was really like a massive shift. Like just because you have to, you yeah. know, or give them to my mum so I can do that. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> but this actually just reminded me. I remember when I was um, twenty, and I just met you, honey. Actually, this is when we were just starting to become friends. And Jesse and I lived together um, with Donnie and Mark, and they were very young. And I remember there was definitely like tension between you and I because you had <laughs> entered this new phase of your life where you know you you were a mother and you were being very responsible and I was then living with you and sort of crashing through the house after coming back home drunk from yeah I was the bad influence (laughs) and I remember you and I having a discussion when you were just like you know you're not looking after yourself and even though I was probably being really rude to you back and I was like okay you don't get it It, it's just like just our our different sort of positions in in the world at that point it seemed just so jarring to me then but like I can now look back and be like oh wow I you know, you were taking responsibility for the children. I was living in a house with your children and I was being super annoying and unhelpful. So I think to answer your question in a very sort of un, un, uh, winding way, I think that Jessie's um, shift in her attitude with regards to her body image because of becoming a mother, it took me a couple of years to really adapt to it because I was a bit of a late bloomer and I only started going out like a teenager when I was around 20. So I felt like I was entitled to this like wildness and everything like that. I stand by the fact you were, but that's... <laughs> Because I was maybe yeah. doing it with you. But then after a few years, uh, I realised like there's so much to be said for kind of like being responsible and just like trying to be more moderate rather than having like a, a more like immature kind Do of Do you attitude. think your proximity to motherhood has impacted that? Like, has, you know, seeing the responsibility Jessie has to live with, has that changed your God, relationship yeah. to yourself and your so body? I drink so much more water. I drink so much more water than I would have. I mean, it has to be mixed with squash. I do struggle with drinking water by itself. But I think that I just feel a bit like silly or indulgent, which I know is not a word that you should really use. But like now, um, because I'm just like my mum and Jessie are just so good at being organised because they don't have the mother mindset and looking after themselves. I'm a much more messy person naturally, but I still now, I, I think I've just like learned some really good habits. So I feel very lucky to be in proximity to them. But I, it's not, I, that now I sound quite rigid. I'm like, I'm You're not, not rigid, and you're I rigid. Have, yeah. And I don't, I, n- I don't focus at all on being thin anymore. Not that that was ever like my number one priority in life, but 
I yeah I don't put any time into things that don't need time exactly and that's what I meant like I really in part adopted a more kind of like useful attitude don't invest so much energy in like waiting for a text back from a boy for four hours and like you know binge drinking and then feeling awful the next day like obviously still have some behavior sometimes it's irresponsible and Jessie does too but because of her motherhood and my mum's motherhood they've just been able to make me realize sometimes you really do waste time doing certain things when you could be getting more from something else so I feel very lucky to have them you know yeah that's lovely I love that so I want to go back to a conversation we were having a little bit earlier. So Jesse, I'm closer to you in age. So I'm 35. So I'm really interested in and I all of the people that you were saying before. And weirdly, I always have Nicole Richie in my head. In oh terms yes, of oh, bodies. God. I want. I think I have a similar nose to Nicole Richie. Oh yeah. So I, I at one point. Oh, and you know her big sunglasses. The big sunglasses. Yeah. Wore. Why am I wearing the glasses? Why? <laughs> it's still there. It's still there. <laughs> It's um, reminded me. It's reminded me. Sorry. <laughs> it's all but it's, but it, it's funny, just the people that you, that are, yeah, you just have kind of in your mind with that image. Oh, yeah, but I do think there seems to be a shift in now in terms of the bodies that we see and and maybe, and this it's a very broad generalisation and maybe it's because Honey is one of the few um, Gen Z people that I speak to on a regular basis, but do you feel that there is a shift I, I think, well, in terms of the uh, creative industries for film, TV, whatever, uh, I feel like it looks like it's changed, but actually it mm. still hasn't changed. I mean, most lead actresses are still micro-thin and there's maybe one larger girl in the mm. cast, that's it. Um, well, and I think that was so interesting with what you're saying in terms of one person's allowed yeah. and then everyone else. Yeah. I also, I was, and not to, I don't want to, I feel like I'm about to throw something under the bus, which I don't, I think a lot of representation and plus size representation, it's like we get thrown a bone and it is usually like, I was talking about like, there's a lot of plus size ginger representation, which actually isn't hitting boxes for me right now, even though you'd think it would. And I think it's interesting because it does feel like I'm always watching a plus size ginger pining from the side of the screen. And I'm like, why am I not the main character? Because I'm the main character in my life. And so, you know, I, I hear that. I feel like there's a kind of level of like, here you go. Here's a pity representation. We've included it. Now you guys have to shut up about it because we've done our job mm, and yes. now you don't get to say anything about it when it's still like, no, that you're still promoting like like an array of unhealthy body images or like, you know, unhealthy messages, like just because you've snuck this one in or like just some sort of sneaky untoward way of like pretending that like the industry is diverse and kind of like understand. I, I think that the, the media industry does have a long way to go. But sorry, Jesse, yeah. go back to answer. No, but I, I think that it has shifted. I mean, like uh, it's probably not appropriate, but when we're as a family, we put on YouTube and put on like so- some songs and um, I don't monitor it very much. So, you know, songs just, play on repeat and so is it Lizzo or Lizzo? Lizzo 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 came on and Margot just started dancing she's four started dancing madly and now like loves her and um stuff like that like just didn't there wasn't that around when I was younger when you were younger and she's just so brilliant and like I was just watching her dance the other day and then the video after Lizzo was Taylor Swift and it's and Taylor Swift again she was dancing madly and loving that and then I just think that's good because it's showing that she's she's you know happy with both and and she's got options and I think for me when I was growing up there was just so few it was you were either 
thin or you're useless um wow yeah and it was so I felt so rejected by pop culture and everything so I do think it's definitely better now and Margot it will be even Mm. hopefully even better for her but you need to constantly have discussions like this which kind of make it clear that it's not normal watching tv and stuff but that's not the normal way mm. that's not what everyone looks like and it's difficult it's also I'm probably as a selfishly I'm probably looking at at things and I'm like like for BB sometimes I'm like well it should be hard because it was hard for me so it yeah. should be hard for you and I understand that. Do you know what I mean? I, I truly do understand that. <laughs> it's awful, but sometimes I'm like, well, why, why, did I, why am I so fucked? You need to be fucked up too. Exactly. Like, you know, whenever I'm going through a rough patch with my career, Jesse's like, this is, you need to earn the good yes. time. Yeah. But oh, well, I, mean, I actually think that leads me beautifully onto the next question, which is I feel like you two practice radical honesty with each other and it is very refreshing. Radical. And I think you can be radical. radical. <laughs> yes, please. Getting political. Thank I feel you. Like you can be very brutal with each other, but then I think on the reverse of that, it's really lovely when you are tender because you know it's real. You know it's honest. Do you think radical honesty is the way to live? Well, I've had a weird few days. I think it's hormonal because I'm my breastfeeding levels are going all over the place, and um, mine too. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I've been so horrible to. Alfie, um, really brutal. I just—it's like I've taken a truth serum or something, and it's—it's um, it's just not nice. It's not the right way to live, and I do do that a lot with BB. I can handle it. Well, you some can. people, some people can handle. We we live in a very radically honest sort of family, and sometimes outsiders might get a snippet and they'll be like, "Whoa!" But you know, we're we're well seasoned in it. For instance. So when BB was saying that she she doesn't know if she lost out on roles uh, when she gained weight or whatever. Sorry. <laughs> like um, when I'm when I'm like you know feeling sorry for myself and I'm like yeah. oh I didn't get this yeah. job and I'm like oh I, I think I might have been this. You know? I am. I'm really. She's very brutal with me. She'll be like yeah it probably was because of that. Because no, but that's only because I know it was and I had the same thing and so I think there's no point faking it and and being dishonest sometimes because. If you want, if you love someone and you want them to be happy and get the things they want or that you know they would like to achieve, and you would help like to help them get there, there is no point wasting time by saying things that just what don't matter. Yeah, I think that the radical honesty definitely. Um, it's not for everyone, <laughs> and it, it wasn't for me for a little while. I did find it a little difficult for a little while. I remember those um, days. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I. I truly now get uh, that, like the people that love you, they have your best interests yeah. at heart. And I think that it applies to every kind of form of like, you know, like conversation and topic that you can have. Um, but I just feel like the wool has been pulled up over my, like it's been pulled off my eyes, not over. That's the phrase. The it? It's off, it's off yeah. my eyes now. No more wool And I see eyes. the world, I see the world in a very different way. I think, I think that I just don't give as much of a fuck anymore. And I just Well, I think the more. elephant in the room is that we've experienced huge tragedy in the last two years and that changes yeah. everything. So our, we are different people now. Yeah. And I think the way we interact is 100% radical yeah. honesty because what's the point? Yeah, otherwise? Life point? is too short. Like it, life is short and we, we want to try and enjoy the rest of it. So we might as well 
be clear with each other because if you really want that person in your life then why are you with them if you can't even say what you actually think yeah and I think it's clearly coming from such a place of love and like I hear that in terms of you warning BB about things that hurt you in the past I completely understand that it's coming from a place of like I went through this hell and you're going through it too and I you know you lived that you you know I, I get it I hear it there's also something so weird about siblings and mother daughter relationships because things my mum did in her life like it, I'm doing I'm doing I'm following her path basically and BB's some of the problems and issues that have arisen so far in your life I I've literally it's been almost identical a situation it's just so weird I find that really crazy oh, more and more throughout the pandemic I've heard my mother's voice coming out of my own mouth and it's terrifying <laughs> it's exciting but it's scary <laughs> Like, but yeah. I think we are all destined to become our mothers and that's fine. You know, yeah, we just Honestly, it. what a blessing. What a blessing. What a well, blessing. Goddess women, but it's, you know, it's something to grapple with. Definitely. Especially, I think, uh, confronting that feeling that you were never, you're not truly special or unique. You know, you are your mother's daughter and your mother was her mother's daughter. Or even just when you go through something like grief and kind of realise, oh, wow, life is totally meaningless and horrible stuff happens and nobody's waiting to kind of like, come and whisk you away to a magical place where your life is going to be happy that was very difficult to deal with for everyone in our family at the beginning but I think that a way it's hugely changed my perspective is that I'm just so much tougher now and I'm happier in a way because it's like I just have the freedom to do stuff because I know it doesn't really mean anything I know I shouldn't get upset by small things and just gotta fucking go for it like for instance both of us have had rare acting jobs lately um congratulations (laughs) <laughs> and, um, yeah and the costume the, the the same thing happened almost with the you know costume experiences and in the past it would have just upset me so much but since you know everything has happened I just couldn't care less yeah. now mm-hmm. you know it's amazing that you can take grief and transform it into you know you can use that grief and pain and channel it into a way of making your life fuller and happier and just you know not letting things affect you as much and I think that's really beautiful Thank Thank you. you. Well, it makes you care so much, even if you're fighting a sibling. There's a bond there that's just so different to other things, even if you don't speak to them for months. Mm -hmm. It's something that is is just unbreakable. And I've always been obsessed with Bibi. Like she's been in my videos from a young age. Like I, I all I wanted in life was to have a little sister. Um, I begged my mom. I had three brothers, and I begged her, and she's just been this little you know, thing that I just cherished every year and every, I just adore her. And and I think that goes when you're both adults and then mm. you're fighting and you're, having these, and you're at different points in your lives. And, but in the last couple of years, it's just become like literally my point in living is to cherish our relationship. And like, That's even awesome. if it's like, you know, brutal yeah. honesty. Sure. Yeah, it, it's, 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 it's just like when when that person is like your everything. Um, yeah, there's 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 it's, it's just like being honest with yourself, yeah. you know, yeah. um, I realized the other day, uh, like how um, I was trying to think about like the number of friends I've had. I was trying to think of somebody that I could move in with because he's trying to move out. And I was like, oh, my God, Jesse is the only person that I speak to. Would you mind telling us a quality you admire in each other? Okay, cool. That's a great one. I'll go first because Jessie's putting down the baby. No, I'm fine. But you go first. Okay. I was just thinking about this the other day 
when we were doing the podcast together and I was looking over at her um, her profile and she's got these tiny little invisible eyebrows. <laughs> Jessica doesn't have any eyebrows. And, you the admire, and that's the quality you admire. It's the thing. <laughs> that's, of all the things exactly. you can take of your sister, you no eyebrows. eyebrows. She has none at all and it's beautiful. No, I was just looking over at her lovely gleaming face and her no eyebrows and her sweet little eyes. And she was just laughing so sweetly at something. And I think what I just admire so much about Jessie is that she has always, always been weird and unique and done her own thing and hat, but she does it. And she's just been the coolest person always my whole life, as long as I can remember. And I idolized everything that she did despite the fact that it was so different from what other you know girls and stuff were doing but it's like she's never been aware like she just her, her intentions are so pure when she's talking to you it's so real when she's doing something it's so genuine so even if it ends up being like the coolest thing and other people are like oh my god you're so amazing it's so funny because I know like she has no idea she's so completely like, so she, like <laughs> it's just like it's just so fascinating to me because my whole existence is like basing little things I do and the way I dress and the way I sound off of women I admire very much Jessie being at the top of that list but it seems like my existence is so curated in a way and then I look over at Jessie and it's just like the most beautifully authentic thing I was going to say something <laughs> horrible as a joke yeah <laughs> um my favorite thing about Phoebe is her she's much more able to bring in joy to her life than me and I try and learn from that daily really because I'm such a pessimist and such a realist and um, I, I'm so jealous of her ability to, to do that. She's also quite, you know, you can be darker than me too, but you, it's almost like it's worth it because of mm -hmm. your, the joy she can get and the light she brings into people's lives and she just kind of lights up yeah. the, the room if that's, you know, that's really... <laughs> I fucking made do. up a whole nice little unique bit about you. But you, you do light up a room, room. and that's lovely. I'm joking. I'm joking. Really, she really does. You're very special sisters, I have to say. Thank you. Thank you well, so that's much. That's so nice. But we, we, I just, yeah, I, I completely, in the same way that you feel like you've been formed by me, I, am I, I would be a completely different person if you hadn't my whole identity. I dropped out of university so I could hang out with a 10 year old. <laughs> Literally, I came back. Yeah. I came back every weekend. And then I was like, I think I'm just gonna stay actually. I yeah. like her on my sofa. Exactly, I was pretty cool to be honest. I remember when we dropped off Jessie at university, you know, um, for the term that she stayed there. Um, six, six weeks, six, six weeks. weeks. Six weeks. I remember dropping Jessie off at the university dorm halls. And I just remember seeing her, you know, sweet, like scared face. And she was sort of quivering in the, in, in, as she was saying goodbye to us. And that was the first time like my mum had driven me at night. I'd never been in like a car for a long journey at night. And so we were driving back from this university town and Moby's song was playing on the radio, you know, um, sad one. you know that one. I don't know the lyrics. And anyway, I had the most, like, I actually think that, that that car journey, that song was so sad. I felt so sad. The night was so dark and we were moving on. The, I think that was the moment that I became a human being because I missed Jessie so, I knew that we weren't gonna be, gonna be together anymore. And now I can't listen to any Moby music. <laughs> Okay, because it just reminds me of that separation thing, you know? Uh -huh. And uh, I don't like driving the car at night either. That's so beautiful. We'll find the song, you should link the song in the description. We will link the song in the show notes. Song in show notes. Because I 
think it's good why, it why does my heart feel so sad? That's what it is. Why does my heart feel so sad? It goes like this. This is all I know. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no. It's chilling. It's actually chilling to the bone. Chilling well, to the I mean, bone. I, also, I can't stop thinking about um, your song, I'm Voluptuous. Please, wait, what's the text? Just, just because oh I love it. Can okay. you sing it one more time? Can we have a little just say, 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 I'm Voluptuous. Can you come with that? <laughs> or do I have to be a stick in state in- insect? <laughs> I was I think I was twelve. Okay. Well, Amazing. That, I love it. Oh, it's a powerful anthem. <laughs> I know. It really is. It really, really is. That's amazing. So one thing we like to to end on is just asking what you do to look after yourself. So what's your go-to self-care? Well, I need to get much better at this um, because I feel so much better if I do. Like, for instance, today I gave mum my, I gave my, the mum, <laughs> I gave the baby my mum for the whole day. So I haven't seen baby all day. And, and me. And baby. And um, I just locked myself away. And that felt really wrong, but I just feel so much better. And it's so not that I didn't want to be with the baby or whatever, but I just felt a lot better. And I've I've not been good at like that with Donnie and Margot. I was I I I mean with Margot, I was because me and Alfie broke up for a large part of her being a baby and stuff. I I mean I, she was never not on yeah. me. Um, so I'm trying to be a bit better this time and have more time. Um, Setting boundaries with this baby. Yeah. <laughs> also, it sounds so so cheesy, but stretching stretching makes me feel so much better I just can't believe it and I feel so stupid that I've got to this age and I haven't put time into stretching I feel so good it's like I think it's because I associate stretching with exercise and exercise as work rather than for something for joy because I messed up um so I haven't ever given stretching any time and actually, it feels great. You feel amazing. I'm doing a nighttime yeah. stretch. There's nothing like it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So that kind of thing, I think. That's and a good also, one. after now I sound like I've had, you know, a lot of issues with food, but I, I you know, I'm fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, for the first time in years, I had a day recently where I ate everything that was there. And it was just so great because it was like, it was just so fun. And I, I know that you shouldn't endorse binge eating. For really not the place for that, Jesse. I think no, but you know what? You're not really endorsing not the place. place you're not that. endorsing no, no, that. No. You're talking about. I'm not endorsing You're talking about. If it's something I did for joy, what you want? Yeah, eat, eat what you exactly. want. And I, oh, yeah. I actually didn't eat that much, but I just had things that I don't usually have in the house, like you know, nice biscuits and stuff. And I was like. Oh my god! Like, no, that's lovely. This biscuits bought me so much joy. That's lovely. And it's yeah, I know it sounds so pathetic. It's not. I know. I think there'll be just so many people who will relate to that, or maybe haven't experienced that yet, because people have so much fear or shame around anything that feels pleasurable around well, food. So. Yeah. Well, I've got really obsessed with. I my mission this year is to become a bodybuilder oh, yeah, um I want to get like fucking strong yeah, this is um, an athlete in her that she suppressed because I've always associated you know like I said I've always run that's been my main thing and I've just I've given that up and I'm now just focusing on getting strong running sucks <laughs> but yeah I I've become obsessed with youtubers who do their food diaries <laughs> like muscle men so they eat like 8,000 calories a day <laughs> 
They just fucking build up. They got those macros. Like, well, it's like a I not fun mukbang. It. Like it's like a boring mukbang. It's like chicken and rice. Exactly. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. so well, no, I'm but, sure it's um, actually that sounds really. I'm, I'm sure they have lovely meal prep. Most of it's quite protein based. I, okay, I figured. But, I, didn't, um, I didn't want to be rude. <laughs> but they call um they call they call it refeed days, and I thought that was really nice rather than a binge day. So they have days where they just refeed their bodies because they Actually. need extra sustenance. Yeah. I think if you think of it like that, then it's like, oh yeah, I need a refeed day. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. And I think about the word binge I think it's I think sometimes it's so easy to use that word when we're not actually describing a binge we're just talking about eating without restriction like a, a binge, oh my God, the, yeah. the definition of a binge is eating objectively a very very large amount of food and with a lot of control mm-hmm. so you feel like you have absolutely no control over what you're eating and you cannot stop completely our language around it is just so messed up in the episode that me and jesse are releasing of our podcast tomorrow thursday um we talk a lot about uh, these youtube videos the sort of what i eat in a day videos binging videos all this kind of like really weirdly addictive like watching material that's clearly got something so toxic behind it but why is there such a huge appetite for it in terms of like people that watch these videos because there are so many of them with so many millions of views and we just kind of just discuss the way that those kind of videos have impacted us and like the mm. attitudes that girls a lot of girls have in terms of like binging because you're so right I've literally never thought of it thought of it that way when you label something as a binge it's normally just you not like actively you know restricting should I answer what I do to take care of myself yes please okay I've started um I've started dancing in the evenings lovely I know that sounds very silly no it's gorgeous we love but, a dance um, here it's oh god I now sound like one of those like you know oh I dance like I don't mean it like that like I just um I I used to dance a lot when I was younger and then I just haven't really for the last couple of years I don't know I think it's because I got really into watching TikTok videos and seeing all of these amazing dancers and at first I found them annoying because it tended to be like just really beautiful teenagers like doing really sexy dances and I was like I'm not here for that when I started seeing like fully grown adults and boys and children and everyone it could be anyone doing really, really cool dances just in their living room. I don't know. It just like inspired me to to just to just you know pick up the old dancing bones and do it again. So I've been trying to learn. I've been trying to learn some TikTok I dances. Love that. I, <laughs> I love it. And my favorite. Um. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'd show you guys, but then the viewers aren't gonna. I mean, sorry, the the listeners aren't gonna get to enjoy it. They'll just hear me stomping about. Maybe I'll show you <laughs> after. Um. But it's. I don't know. Like. That is just doing something silly that's just for a bit of fun. That's really, I really enjoyed that so much more than I expected. Just dancing around a bit every day. It's having a great time. It's biggest release. No, dance, solo dancing, putting on something you love and just moving in your space and not mm-hmm. doing it, for, no, not trying to look good even, just exactly. doing what you've got to do is there's nothing more liberating. And it's exactly. so healing. It's just because I can't wait. I can't wait to go out dancing again. It's going to be so wonderful. Oh, well, especially with all the TikTok dances, everyone's exactly. going to be doing the same routine. <laughs> Boy, all over again exactly i'm so excited <laughs> <laughs> all the throw down wow um how can we and our audience support you and your work so we have a podcast called we can't talk about that right now so he's gonna it's okay yeah it's all right he just he wants to promote himself it's like yeah. give us yeah. our chance he's got a podcast too then he can start it's called um, anyway, our podcast is called We Can't Talk About That Right Now. You can find her on um, 
Spotify. Wouldn't it be funny if I said him? Like, oh, our podcast is a man. <laughs> That's a curveball. Um, <laughs> um, you, you can find her on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. And we we film it and, it, you know, like, it's, it's a bit of fun. We have a different backdrop every week that our mom has made for us. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. You can see our, our outfits, how tired we look. It's great. And you can, you can pre-order my novel, which is about sisters inspired by Bibi, um, called, called Sunset. It's beautiful. It's out in June. Go for it, guys. And you can support me by just sending out good vibes into the universe <laughs> and just saying, I can't wait to see Bibi Cave in London, vibing and dancing and just living her life. That's that's what you can do for me. You're also looking for a roommate. Looking so for a roommate. So if anybody wants, please get in touch. Okay, Jesse's gonna Jesse's gonna go. Bye, Jesse. Thank you bye, so Jesse. much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. So, so there we go. Bibi Cave closes the show alone, and that's fine. What an absolute joy to talk to the Cave Sisters. God, they're just such unique and delightful women. But something that came up quite a lot in the episode uh, during the conversation was the term binge. We see that word thrown around quite a lot these days, but what actually is the difference between binge eating and binge eating disorder? Very good question. And as you said, we do hear the term binge eating a lot or having a binge on something. So really good to lay out some definitions. So I'm going to give the official definition from the DSM-5. So the fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders, which psychologists, psychiatrists and other health professionals use as a guide for all mental health conditions. So how people classify a pattern of eating as binge eating, they're looking for two things. So one is eating an amount of food that's definitely larger than most people would eat in a similar period of time under similar circumstances. And then the second, so you need the two things to come along together, is an experience of feeling a loss of control whilst you're eating. So like you can't stop eating or you have no choice over what you're eating. The loss of control is a key characteristic, but what else should we look for? Really good question. So binge eating is also associated with eating a lot quicker than usual, eating past that point of comfortable fullness. People who are binge eating often eat in secret and then feel very ashamed and guilty and disgusted about about that pattern of eating. A binge can be very distressing for people. And then what we see as a response to that distress often is that people try and either punish themselves or compensate for the binge with restriction or dieting, which is seen as, quote, good to to try and offset the binge. But that's where we see the classic binge restrict cycle coming in. So it's kind of self-perpetuating in that way. Okay, so binge eating is not eating fun foods and overindulging in air quotes. Yeah, exactly. Binge eating is neither of those things. And I think what's really key is that it's really distressing and it can have a huge impact on someone's self-esteem, confidence, mood and physical health. Right, so that's binge eating. Can you tell me what binge eating disorder is? Yes, I can. And this is again going back to the DSM-5, so using the criteria that they use. So binge eating disorder is characterised by repeated episodes of binge eating. So just as we've described what binge eating is, it's like it's this repeated pattern, which again is associated with feelings of distress and shame. And to differentiate it from other eating disorders like bulimia nervosa, with binge eating disorder, there's 
binging but no compensatory behaviors in the sense of um, vomiting or laxative abuse that we see with bulimia. So that's how we kind of separate the two. And then in the current DSM, so the fifth edition, the diagnostic criteria on the frequency and duration specifies that the binge eating periods, it's at least one day a week for a period of three months for that full threshold binge eating disorder label. So they kind of give a a criteria on it for, for that frequency and duration. And so when people don't meet that criteria, so they engage in binge eating, but it it's less frequent than that or for a shorter period perhaps they may still meet a criteria for an eating disorder but this can fall under the umbrella of off-fed which is the other specified feeding and eating disorders which is a bit of a catch-all but still what's really important to say that's still really serious so binge eating disorder and off-fed are still really serious eating disorders well, yeah, I even remember we talked about both yeah. of those with Bryn and Bryn saying about how binge eating disorder is one of the most common eating disorders. Right, but it doesn't get the same profile, right? And I think that's partly the world of anti-fatness and I think that's the world of all, all the shame that comes with with. I was going to say, I, I feel like, I, do do we think it's to do with the shame around food and overeating? Or I mean, I hate even saying the term overeating because yeah. I feel like that even has connotations. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the shame and I think it's societal anti-fatness that mean we don't talk about binge eating disorder as much so what causes binge eating disorder yikes big big question so like all eating disorders the cause are complex and individual and varied um but research shows that factors like weight-based teasing negative body image and dieting are all risk factors for binge eating disorder or binge eating that may lead to binge eating disorder Um, as well as food insecurity, which we discussed last time with our conversation with Josh. Um, And then binge eating disorders also often comorbid with substance use disorders and mood disorders like depression and anxiety. And I'm also sure that trauma plays a role for some people too um, as a risk factor going into binge eating disorder. So what do you think people should do if they're struggling with binge eating disorder? Yeah, really good question. So in the UK, we've got BEAT, so the UK Eating Disorder Charity, and they've got some really helpful information on their website, and we can link to that in the show notes. Absolutely should speak to your GP. There are treatments out there to help people with binge eating disorder. Their therapeutic options like CBT can be really helpful for a lot of people. And then I think it's really worth remembering that practicing self-compassion can be really a really valuable tool. So as distressing as a binge can be, beating yourself up about it is never going to help. I'd say if you have a binge eating episode, that's when you really need to double down on the self-care, be extra nice to yourself and, and do your best to keep eating regular meals as much as you as you can. Because I think as we were talking before about this binge restrict, um, like kind of yo-yo that we see or pendulum swing, that restriction will set people up for a binge again. So that's something that we really want to avoid. Ideally, you'll be doing all of this with the support of a therapist and perhaps a dietitian and perhaps others involved. But we know there is a huge issue in the UK and elsewhere in the world in terms of access for eating disorder treatment, perhaps particularly for binge eating disorder. So just would really encourage you to, again, look at the BEAT website. There's a few pointers there. And then there are some things you can do to set yourself on that recovery path or get back on track like the self-compassion piece 
And before we wrap up, can we cover a few do's and don'ts on the topic of binge eating disorder? For example, I don't say binge watch when I'm talking about TV, which has been difficult in a year of a lot of excessive watching. But it's a simple thing you can do by changing your language. You can hopefully make people feel more comfortable. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. It's such a common turn of phrase, but I also have tried to remove that from my vocab altogether because just from hearing the distress it causes people when they hear it in that sense it's like a simple thing to do right to make people feel more comfortable so another really important don't um and it's one of those things that shouldn't have to be said but really does is don't conflate binge eating disorder with body size so it happens so much it happens in a professional context it's really harmful and not useful in any way. So binge eating disorder is a serious mental health condition where a key symptom of that condition is the behavior of binge eating. It's often associated with weight gain, but it occurs importantly across the weight spectrum. So there are plenty of people who live in higher weight bodies that do not have binge eating disorder, who do not binge eat, who do not have any loss of control over what they're eating. That's really, really important. And when we're thinking about body size, body size is body size is body size. There is a natural diversity of body sizes. So really important not to make any assumptions about anyone's eating habits based on their body size alone. Completely. And also another thing we can do is wherever you can, try to model body acceptance and food neutrality. So that's not using moral language around food, i.e. I'm so bad for eating this or, oh, we're so naughty for eating this. I've really earned this treat. None of that. We don't do that anymore. All food is good food. Eat what you want, when you want. Let's try and dissolve the shame away from bodies and eating. Such a nice note to end on. Thank you for listening to The Body Protest. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode and it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe, rate and review. You can follow Honey on Instagram at HoneyKinney and you can follow Nadia at Nadia.Craddock. This podcast is produced and edited by the glorious Daisy Grant and it's brought to you by the Pink Protest Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. 
Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 